What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Big Factuals, No Capitals, the only podcast that's number one with harsh critics and Lance Reddick. I'm Adrian, as always, here with my buddy Paul. Let's get big factin'. Let's get no capping. Big facts. No. Cap. Big facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big facts. No. Cap. Big facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big fact. No cap. Yeah, I was trying to get us in the mood by finishing off, kind of finishing off our theme song. Uh, okay, I didn't realize you just started on me like that. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah. Was that your acapella version of the theme song? That was my acapella version of the theme song. It's beautiful. That that's how it ends, right? It's like big fact. No cap. And then it like fades out. It, it ends with the uh, Michael Scott no cap. With the no uh, cap. with the reverb. Oh yeah, right. And then there's echo. Yeah. 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 Uh, we call it reverb in the biz. Not trying to big dick you fall, but you obviously were. <laughs> I, you know my my grandma always said if a sentence has but in it, the only thing that matters is what comes after. And yes, she didn't speak English, and there isn't that exact same <laughs> conjugation <laughs> in Arabic, but she still said that a lot. <laughs> a wise woman. Mm -hmm. ahead of her time she gave advice in multiple languages uh my grandma was famous for always saying oh my god and boobies because that's what we taught her to say in english when she came to visit (laughs) (laughs) i think we we taught her oh my god boobies and obama i think were the three words we taught her in english wait i can't tell are you serious (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's serious why did you teach your grandma boobies (laughs) i think doralee taught it to her (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because we were mischievous. We were a little in the air duels, you know? What did you tell her it meant? Like, bless my grandchildren? Yeah, we told her it meant, uh, with God, all things are possible. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we can both agree that mocking foreigners, very funny. Honestly, uh, my favorite Hari Kondabulu bit probably of all time is the, uh, like, being an immigrant is so hard in this country. Like, for my mom, having to hear people yell at her, like, you know, take that silly dress off. What's that stupid red dot on your head? And that's just from people living in her house. <laughs> uh, and then he talks about in a meta way. He's like, I asked my mom if that was an okay joke to tell. And she was like, yes, tell them how terrible you were to me. <laughs> and uh, that really resonates with me because I think I was definitely like, I've definitely ha- done shitty things like that to my parents where um, I remember at one point when I was thinking about where I wanted to go for university for undergrad uh my parents floated the idea of me going somewhere in guatemala and i was like what am i gonna do get a degree about how many chickens equals how many cows <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of major can you do in guatemala <laughs> um which is uh yeah that's problematic yeah really setting the tone for one of our articles about self-hate among immigrant communities oh, we yeah. tackle real issues on big facts no cap these are the issues these are what you guys want to hear <laughs> um, do you ever do anything like that paul it's not going to make me look good because I know for one of the columns we brought in, I'm going to complain about white people being racist uh, to Arabs. But yeah, I, I mean, we used to make jokes all the time like, oh, we're going to Lebanon again. Like anytime we'd visit, we'd be like making jokes about picking up our uh, bulletproof vests and shit before we get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of jokes about the violence and war my parents had to go through <laughs> as children. <laughs> 
from their children directed at them whenever they made us return to their home country. Uh, About the feeling of imminent danger that was um, (laughs) around every corner. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mostly, because I, um, my parents just had a very rural upbringing, so mine was a lot of, Uh like, jokes about them being rural and illiterate. (laughs) I I think I might have told this story on pod before, but, uh, my my family makes fun of me now when I return to Lebanon. They still make this joke, or th- they still tell this story about this embarrassing thing I did when I was a little kid. Mm. And I was crossing the street, and over there the police are, like, pretty militarized. Mm. Like, they, they have, like, assault rifles and stuff. Can't imagine. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, they're carrying them in front of them. Like, their assault rifles are in their hands as they're walking around. And I was crossing a street once, and the guard was, like... And one of the police officers was trying to tell me, hey, you can't cross right now or wait. And apparently as soon as he started talking to me, I just put up both my hands like in the air. <laughs> Dude. As if I was in immediate danger of being shot. Because to a little American mind, that's how I felt as soon as somebody with an assault rifle started talking to me. And wait. they still tell that story about... <laughs> the The premise of the joke is Paul is afraid of people with guns. <laughs> Yeah, Isn't the, that the joke is, why is Paul such a pussy? <laughs> <laughs> why is he so afraid of somebody with a gun in authority? <laughs> it's, uh, damn, he embarrassed himself. He's not natural around people. Mm. But I mean, it is, like, I mean, both hands sky high, just standing still listening to the police officer trying to be like, hey, can, you can't cross the street right now. <laughs> uh, that's dope. That's dope. Uh, I don't know if there are any stories about me from the time that I spent in Guatemala. I didn't. I didn't create much of a reputation. Uh, um, did you? Uh, did you like see any of your family members? And you were like, "Oh, that's they kind of look like they would be my cousin. Like they look like me, but a little bit." Yeah, there's certainly resemblance. I mean, my grandma looks way more um, indigenous than, than than her descendants do. I think it was my mom's dad who was like at least like half like uh, colonizer. Um, so she always looked, yeah, like way more Guatemalan than, than our family did. Also, everyone who I met in Guatemala was way skinnier than our family. So it's hard to get the real resemblance when we're all little fatties. Uh, (laughs) um, Damn, I thought that was just like a Guatemalan thing to have your family's body shape. I didn't think that was just like what happens when you come to America. I think, yeah, yeah. Both of my parents were much skinnier when they were like in their twenties in Guatemala. Um, I think I've told you that story before. Also, the other thing is like, I don't. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, third world country, malnutrition, stuff like that. But also, I think Mexico is the most obese country in the in the world. Mm. So, I guess because Oh, we're not neighbors. just Central America? Like, in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, um. So, I guess since we're close to them, we probably have a similar culture with the food and dieting, I guess. I don't know what the word would be. Um. But, yeah, there was a story about my dad, like, going around doing odd jobs, migrant work, whenever he first moved to America with my brother... And my brother cried whenever he first saw him when he came back because he had gained so much weight he didn't recognize him anymore. <laughs> and he thought he was like a stranger trying to pick him up. Oh. So he got fat shamed by Nando at a young age. Nando confirmed problematic. Confirmed problematic. Should should we have like a, should we design like a drop for when we confirm somebody problematic? Oh, we should. We we spent a good chunk of time coming up with like little things to drop into episodes, like a bunch of little snippets and stuff. And we have used all of one of them. Yeah. Well, the problem is we, I need to actually figure out how to mix audio digitally so that I could like actually use my keyboard as a soundboard. I feel like we perfected it with um, the soundboard with uh, Steve on Steve. 
<laughs> which is uh, developing an AI that can intelligently. <laughs> um. Yeah. 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 Uh. Oh, I guess the other thing that's um uh, weird about it is uh my mom's side, everyone is at least five nine, if not over six feet tall. What really? Um. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know how strong the dominant genes of my dad's genetics are for making a short, but yeah, people on my uh, mom's side, the cousins that we have to like live in Maryland right now that I see uh, every now and then, uh, very light skinned. And also both of the kids that I know uh, are like six something. They're really cool. I like them a lot. I really like Paula. Uh, She's really nice and really like uh, Gustavo, who I felt embarrassed because the story here is that when I was a little kid, I couldn't pronounce his name because it was too hard for me. And so I called him Taco or Taquito. And then when I grew up and it was like, wait, yeah, what was his name that was so hard to pronounce? And they're like, Gustavo. And I was like, was I a fucking idiot? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how could I not pronounce that? <laughs> wait, how how tall is Nando? Nando's about 6'2", six 6'1". Six really? God damn. Yeah. We got a lot of variation in our family. I'll tell you what. Yeah. For skin tones and body types. But when I originally asked that question, the prompt was mostly just because, like, I feel like when I see Arabs, I, like, you know, I don't look super Arabic, but there's always, like, a small tinge of, like, oh, that's, like, an Arabic feature because I see, like, that little bit of myself in this other person or something like that with, like, my cousins and stuff in a way that I always found fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, But th- I think the biggest thing is that I'm, like... My, the, my my dad's pretty light skinned and i i got that from him and then i got my mom's side of the family's <laughs> by tallness not even that tall i'm 510 but mm-hmm. that still makes me the tallest in my family and then and then i also got uh the the balding from my mom's side of the family right which, that does come from your mom's dad right is that's what they say oh is that it because yeah some of my cousins like the only other people in my family balding are my mom's uh my cousins on my mom's side yeah yeah i think that's what people say i don't know i don't actually know the genetics of it i should as a biologist um but yeah that's one of the things where i learned that as a kid and i was i asked my mom about it and uh, apparently my granddad was uh full head of hair until he until he died oh good for you yeah good for you so that's why i'm bleaching it turning all these kooky colors because it's gonna be forever baby don't have to worry about this going away Um, I, I w- would I knock off two inches to have my hair back? Paul, your, your penis is only two inches. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> is it a, is it a recent Adrian, thing? Adrian, Adrian, sidebar, cutting yeah. this out. You don't have to tell the audience about my two inch penis, okay? Sorry, sorry. I just I was gonna say for future oh. for future. Just let's let's leave my two inch penis out of the show. On a similar note. Is it only in more recent episodes that we've started making dick jokes? And is that because we're out of actual comedy? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's where it Yeah, I think that's where we're at right now. Um, yeah. You know what? The dick stops here. We're, <laughs> we're going dickless for the... We're doing dickless December, but in, in March. We're going to go no more dick jokes for the rest of March. Okay. I'll, I'll hold you to it. Do you, do you want to get like a last one or two out? Because it's starting. It's starting now, baby. No, no, no. It's not like Lent, Lent or whatever. You gotta like eat your uh, last piece of candy or whatever right before it starts or whatever. Oh, should we do a big facts no cap Lent where we give up something? We we could. Did you ever do that as a, as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I did not. 
I did not. I mean, it's always super easy. Like, the Americanized version of it is definitely not hardcore. Like, I'm not giving up meat or Yeah, it's literally bread. just like, I think my neighbors did it, and they just, like, gave up soda for a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, up, like, months, but yeah. Or however, 40 days. I don't know. How long was Jesus nights. in the desert? 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, uh, it was it was always soda or chocolate for me, which is, like, pretty doable for that short amount of time Paul, span. you're losing all the health benefits of that dark chocolate every night. <laughs> yeah, as a child, I would give up red wine, and then I would be frustrated because I know doctors say a glass and a half the a day is good for you. <laughs> you were getting the uh, antioxidants. Um, I never, um, I never did that. Um, but um, that's also the holiday where people do the thing where they put like the ash cross on their foreheads. Is that it? Ash Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. You know what's so weird? Growing up in South Carolina, the first time I saw that was an undergrad who did that in my class that I was teaching. Well, I mean, that, that's it's a Catholic thing. And I, people we knew did do it. Like, you never noticed Jacob Parton on Like, I didn't because nah. I, don't, I don't, I didn't fucking, like, we didn't go on that Wednesday morning to put ash on our head. Are you kidding me? Mm, <laughs> but sense. you never noticed Jacob Parton. Like, there was kids at our school who did it. Nah, first time and I saw just, it was, um, first time I saw it and. Adrian, I think this doesn't speak to, like, I mean, there wasn't a lot of Catholics at our school, but there was enough that I think it just speaks to you being unobservant if you that never is true. saw. That is very true. <laughs> if you um, never noticed a big spot of ash on multiple kids' heads. <laughs> two two things about that that I can tell. One is that I didn't know what it was, and uh, based on the population of Davis, it was an Asian student who had it. So it really threw me for a loop of what it was, and I just kind of assumed, it's like, oh, it's probably something that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And then I looked it up and it was like, oh, this is like a Catholic thing. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I've not seen this before. Two, I am incredibly unobservant. I once went on a uh, goose chase trying to find some old research papers that were like in journals that you can't find online. And I even like set up an appointment with a librarian to like go through how to try and find old research papers like that. And what ended up happening was I realized on the bookshelf to the left of me where I spent so much time in my first two years of grad school are a bunch of old journals of uh, apiculture, and it had the volume, like literally eye-level to me, just to the left of my, of my face, was uh, the research paper I was looking for. Um, so that, yeah, I'm a very unobservant person. I, I can spend every day in a room and not know what's in it. Mm. Media Roundup? Yeah, it sounded like you, it sounded like you had something, but... <laughs> um, okay, you want to go first? Um, sure, I don't have anything. Oh, okay. Uh, are you still doing your uh, Netflix physical DVDs or? No, I, I stopped that because uh, since I moved to Charlotte, it just became I wasn't watching enough movies. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug three things. I'm gonna plug a, an anime that's out right now in the current season, uh, Wonder Egg Priority. Uh, silly name, very good anime. Uh, check it out. Uh, I guess it, it does come with a slight content warning of like it deals with some heavy themes about what it's like to grow up as a girl in society. So, you know, nothing that I care about, but it might affect you if you watch it. So <laughs> second thing is I'm re I'm rewatching Will and Grace and it's just as good as ever. <laughs> uh, I, if you're, it's so weird. Cause it's one of those things where I don't know if I can recommend it to people. It, it, um, I think it holds up, but I can see why other people don't think it does. And also it's kind of like parks and rec. Like the first two seasons aren't great, but you kind of need them to like, know what the show's about. So it's hard to recommend to people, but I'm having a great time with it. It's certainly the most comforting TV show that I've watched in a while. Like in the way that white people watch The Office over and over again, I think Will and Grace would probably be the show that I would just like put in the background to like take up noise and also just make you feel comforted. 
I forgot that I wrote some notes about Will and Grace that I wanted to, if you have anything to bounce off of this. Um, one, it's a little bit weird what you can get away with if your characters are gay. Like, there's still a lot of things that are semi-homophobic, but you're also like, oh, maybe they're co-opting it to make it positive. I guess it's okay, but like, it is very much of its time. It is still very much a 1998 sitcom on NBC. <laughs> But there's also just like there's I think there are jokes that I've told Paul from Will and Grace where he thought like that it was like oh that's a solid joke and I was like yeah isn't it weird that that was on like a a random sitcom <laughs> like I think the one line that I took was um that's like being surprised when the counter person at a yogurt shop seems sad for no reason like what a <laughs> like that line's way funnier than it has any right to be in a random sitcom and then the last thing is I texted my sister about it because uh, it's a show we used to watch together and I remember telling her like now that I'm rewatching it as an adult. There's so much that I thought I didn't get as a kid because I wasn't an adult. And the actual situation is I don't get it because I'm not a upper middle class white person in New York City. <laughs> like there's so many references where that's the case. It's not like, oh, Adrian, when you grow up, you'll you'll understand it. I, I will not understand like certain parts of, of the show at, at any point in my life, but still love it. Yeah, that's how I feel watching Frasier. And I'm like, you know, one day I'll live in Seattle and be a smug asshole just so I can fully appreciate the show. <laughs> Yeah, who was that for? Why did, why, did, why, 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 was, why is that like the broad appeal that they were hoping to get? They were like, no, 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 we can't make this story about a Chinese immigrant. We got to make the story about, <laughs> about upper middle class gay people in New York City. Uh, one of them's Jewish and one of them, yeah, I don't know. Well, with Frasier, I guess it made sense because he was, it makes sense that he started as a side character on Cheers, like oh, Dr. Frasier, like he was the fancy off. one who would show up to the bar. Mm -hmm. But then for him to have his own show, you're right, it does like, you do kind of get to, oh, this would have never been a concept for a show, like, by itself to have like, like, who's the target, like fancy Seattle people, like, yeah, it's not yeah. Like I it. mean, I'm kind of like, I'm not the strongest proponent of like diversity in media at like the surface level is the most important thing but like we really had to run through all of the ideas with white people before we finally got some ideas for people of color to, to make their own shows <laughs> yeah i mean once wilford came out i think they were like and that's it we've put a period on this sentence we've done every idea for white people <laughs> once sons of tucson came out and zach galifianakis had two kids for whatever reason they were like all right we're out of ideas now <laughs> Once Cougar Town came out, they were like, you know, we've done <laughs> yeah, it. All. Yeah, like, you know people. what? We're, we're covered. You guys got it from here. <laughs> and now you can make Atlanta. <laughs> all right. The theme for today. And this is another episode. Um, as always, we're always changing. We're fluid with our structure. And so we're going to start with and the our third sexuality. And, and our sexuality. Gender. And our gender. Wait, no, I'm not going to claim that. <laughs> I'm not going to take up space for people who are actually gender fluid to say that. I'm I'm gender fluid, but I, I I the fluidity often stays starkly in the masculine. You're fluid in your sexuality from straight to super straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you the, the, that that new annoying thing like right wing weirdos are trying to do? Yeah, yeah, I texted you about it. Yeah, yeah. Man, are straight people okay? Are straight white people okay, Paul? <laughs> No, because they no longer get to discriminate against not straight people. And I don't think you're really thinking about how that feels for them, Adrian. That's true. That's true. I hate cliches and things that are trite, but that whole quote about equality feels like oppression if you were the person who was above others bef before uh, <laughs> really, really rings true whenever things like this spring, uh, spring up. 
Yeah, I don't really know what they're trying to prove with super straight. Uh, what what is it? They're just trying to prove that they're transphobic. Oh, oh, because it's I, okay. Yeah, I forgot that that was the details. It's not mm-hmm. just that you're straight; it's that you won't date trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your sexuality. For a man, super straight is defined as only being attracted to people with two X chromosomes. Interesting. Okay, I don't I don't know how they're gonna check that, but. <laughs> All right, so the theme today is critiquing and criticism. Mm-hmm. Paul, is there anything general you want to say before we get to the third segment? Anything you want to... No, not really. But yeah, any, did you have any last points about critique, Adrian? Uh, yeah, I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty opinionated person. I've got critiques of things, but um, I try to be cordial about it. How do you feel when people critique your art or this show or your, or your band or... Yeah, I mean, I think that's... Yeah, that is an interesting one. That does lead to another article thing, a little, little tie-in. Um, I think a lot of what I do sucks, so I usually just agree with them. <laughs> I think that's, um, some people can call it a coping mechanism, but honestly, I think that's like the, the most common thing is for people to be overly nice about stuff, and I think that almost upsets me more than like actual criticism. There's uh, There's always like some layers of defense there, right, where like the whole point of Phil and I making music together is that it's two people who met doing comedy who have no talent in what they're doing at least on my end i think phil's a legitimately like talented at rapping just in terms of the actual mechanics of it yeah so the, the whole gist of it is like we're two people who have no idea what we're doing who are putting on a mixtape so like if you don't like it that's you know valid that's like half the point that's <laughs> not supposed to be good but i don't know how much like mm-hmm. hiding behind that really helps uh in terms of uh people critiquing it or not so you're then critiquing yourself for the fact that that clearly sounds like yeah hope. yeah i guess so I, I, but it doesn't it also doesn't legitimately upset me when people don't think our music is good because why would you when people do think it's good i'm like why would you <laughs> that's uh that's that's also half of it i think this podcast is the greatest podcast that's ever been made and anybody who doesn't like i it think that's true wrong. i think whenever Dorley sends her suggestions for the podcast i do what i learned from rashida who was uh, someone i worked with at trader joe's i remember when i worked at the demo station I used to make the whatever recipe we were making at Trader Joe's. And I remember telling her like, oh, it really upset me that some lady came up and said that like the cake that I made didn't have enough peaches in it. And she was like, Adrian, when they do that, tell them when you make that cake at home, you can put as many peaches in it as you want and say that with a smile and let them know that you do not care. And that's what I do for Dorley. That's actually my advice is when Dorley's like, why didn't you uh, ask Steve M about Paddington? Because he's from England or whatever. And I was like, well, when you have Steve M on your podcast, you can ask him about Paddington. <laughs> Why would I think about doing that? Yeah, I don't I don't get that. Is she a big Paddington oh. fan? <laughs> I love that, though. We should have, in retrospect, so, asked him about Paddington. Nando, Dorley, and I are all big Paddington stands. We think he's one of the best representations of Latino America, or Latinos in media. Uh, going back to our conversation about um, representation, uh, I think paddington is is okay. a uh, uh latin icon i, I don't get it is he's that... from peru is he oh i i guess i've never seen the paddington uh, am i thinking of the wrong paddington media i'm thinking of the stuffed bear the live action stuff well bear. he has cgi films yeah like paddington one and paddington two are like near perfect movies oh for some reason i just assumed those were like set in the u.s or britain no, no, no. Or it, it's set in england but the whole gist them. of it is like his parents die i think no, no no his parents don't die Something happens in the like jungles of Peru or wherever in the first movie, and he gets taken to the UK by an explorer who went to explore whatever Latin American country he lives in. Gotcha. Oh, so it's a colonialism movie. It's a UK movie. <laughs> That's kind of their thing. <laughs> 
so yeah, anyways, um, yeah, so Dorley will say stuff like that, where she'll be like, why didn't you bring, oh, for Amelia's episode, she was like, why didn't you guys talk about the fact that you don't have tattoos when she talked about having tattoos? And I was like, why would we? Why would we talk about not having something? Like, when you have Amelia on your podcast, you can talk to her about how you don't have tattoos, but whatever. What? Yeah, what is there to say about not having tattoos? I really tattoos? don't know. I, honestly, like I say, Dorley's comments often are nonsensical. Well, let, let's let's let, let's write that wrong. Let's write that wrong. Let's talk okay. about not having yeah. tattoos. Really? Here you go. This is for you. I don't have tattoos. I also don't have tattoos. I don't have anything against tattoos, nor would I be against getting a tattoo in the future. I currently do not have tattoos. My parents didn't like it because it was associated with gangs in Guatemala, but they said once you're 18, do whatever you want. Still have not gotten a tattoo. Is the word tattoo becoming nonsensical to you at this point? Does it sound like a fake word? Can you tell that we're not talking about Russian pop group tattoo? That's also for Dorley. She loves tattoo. (laughs) All right. So let's review what we think a future sequel to Ratatouille could be called Ratatouille 2. Tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, we should definitely get into this third segment. So let me uh, me describe it really quick. Uh, One day I was thinking about the pod and i thought you know it'd be a fun idea the website fiverr um has the the concept of it is you can get people to freelance for you you pay them a couple bucks they'll do some graphic design they'll do some editing or whatever you need them to do for you and one of the services that is offered is people will critique and listen to your podcast for a couple dollars so paul and i picked a few people we have one person that we're still waiting on we might follow up on that in the future but um we have three solid people who took the money listen to our episode we chose the christmas episode because we thought it had a pretty good you know 15 minute intro or it had a, a pretty good starting 15 minutes because uh, a lot of people kind of have a time limit to how much they will listen based on how much you pay them and so that is what we did we have some reviews um we're going to critique the reviews of our podcast of our christmas episode paul do you have anything to add about this premise is it clear it's very clear yeah um i'm really excited to hear these uh You've told me, like, little things about each of the reviews, but I haven't gotten to hear any of them yet, and we also are bringing in another one. Have you clipped uh, Rachel and Ethan's audio yet from Podcast to Burn? I, I don't have it clipped, but I can I can pull it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're also bringing in a review of our podcast from, from Friendly Podcast, Podcast to Burn, <laughs> a Taylor Swift podcast. So I'm going to start with the most disappointing one this was uh, a guy on fiverr who says he'll review your podcast i was excited for him to do it because he said he would listen to up to 40 minutes of it um but it's very clear that he thinks that people do this just to get like reviews on their podcast that are positive so i i think that's kind of the theme through all of them is that they assume you'll give them better tips and like better reviews if you just say good things about it um but he also did not take the request to give an audio or video review so all i have is his written review of our podcast um, this is from Ari Salim 971. Awesome podcast. Five stars. Big Facts No Cap is a great, amazing, and fantastic comedy podcast. Adrian and Paul both are very awesome. I like the Christmas episode. I listen to all the episodes, and I also share <laughs> with my friend. I also subscribe to this podcast for future episodes. Oh. Um. So we paid roughly seven seventy five for that. <laughs> Can I just say, how long did it take him to put in that review after you sent the request? Took him about a day. So he listened to all the podcasts in about a day, which which I think is quite interesting because that's commendable. 
It's definitely impossible, considering the amount of audio that entails. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe he's doing that uh, that thing you're supposed to do with, like, One Piece, where he puts it at, like, 50%, like, 150% speed mm. to, to mm. finish it, or uh, watches it at three times speed, something like that, to get through it quick, just to, like, intake all the beautiful ideas we have to share into his brain. Uh, yeah, no, it was very clear he thought we were just trying to get, like, a five-star review on our iTunes, and... <laughs> Uh, it's sad that it's sad that none of these people were critical of us, but uh, yeah, and, and yeah. So I mean, the two the two other people give us, I think, overly fawning reviews, but they tried. Like they actually put effort. You can tell they reference things in the first fifteen minutes of the episode. I think this guy literally just like has a racket going where he's exchanging reviews for five dollars with no mm. like insight. Um, okay, Paul, do you want to get to our next review? Yes. Okay. Uh, our next review. So the two other people left us a review on iTunes, which I don't think I'm going to read because they're kind of just summaries of what they say in their audio that they give to us, but they left a review on iTunes and then also sent us audio clips and or video clips of them reviewing uh, the podcast, um, which mm-hmm. was very cool. So this first one is from Jerome Shaw, so we can get his opinion on our podcast. He's a artist, I think, living in LA who does this as like a part-time thing. So, all right, here we go. Big facts. No, cap. Big facts. No. Cap. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Just listened to an episode of Big Facts No Cap with Adrian and Paul. This was an awesome episode. This was the Let's Put Big Facts No Cap Back in Christmas episode. And you two have great humor, wonderful chemistry. It is all flow, no force. Feels like I'm kicking back with a drink. With the fellas, you know, just enjoying ourselves and... Wait, Adrian, can you pause it? Kick it back with a drink with the fellas. Damn, that is such a nice compliment. Yeah, I, was gonna I, say, I really you, like that. Yeah. Do you sense a hint of, like, do you think he, like, at a young age lived in Britain? Or, like, do you like, yeah, sense I'm a not hint exactly of, like, sure a little bit of formality yeah. or, like, fanciness in his voice? But it's, like, mostly American English and then just, like, a little bit of, like... A, like a little bit of something maybe like a little british or i want to say a little bit of poshness but like not necessarily from the fancier parts of britain yeah i can't figure it out i'm sure somebody who's like a little bit better with the accents and voices might know exactly like um but yeah so far i'm enjoying it and uh yeah i'm yeah, loving he, it he, he took in the effort to actually send a video so i enjoy that too also uh i like how he started off with an acapella version of our theme song as paul did today <laughs> I didn't want to tell. I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I really loved that 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 connection happened just serendipitously. Um, okay, so let's get back into it. Mm-hmm. Found myself laughing with you. Your your laughter is contagious. You both have great energy, and it flows. You know, it really does. So, this is an awesome episode, an awesome podcast all around. I see that you already got you know some ratings. You know, I had to add my rating to you, so I think mine is rating thirteen. I had to give it five stars on iTunes. It definitely deserves it, man. Uh, The world is looking for stuff like this. Like the world needs this right now with everything going on in the media and the news and our attention is being diverted in all these different places. It's really cool to kick back and chill with a couple of like-minded individuals who have levity and humor and are not so serious all the time, right? Like why so serious? So life is too important to be taken so seriously. I love that you two have jokes, you know. I enjoyed the Paul's pet peeves. 
Uh, Karen, that word has been thrown around so many times. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, thank you for bringing that, you know, to my attention as well, because I was always wondering why, why is Karen, you know, why are people called Karen and all this? And also about uh, the dropping the mask uh, when you go to show your ID and get ID'd by dropping your mask. You were like, man, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, <laughs> if, if somebody's trying to fake an ID to get a drink, just let them have it. <laughs> so awesome, man. This is awesome content. Y'all really got something going here, and I encourage you to continue. I encourage you to keep going, keep getting together, keep coming up with content, and keep publishing, putting out podcasts, because the world needs it right now. And you too have a voice, and you definitely have the demeanor um, to reach the people, to reach the masses. So, Okay, quick pause. He quotes the Joker, which I love. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I like simultaneously his his kind of thing of like the world needs our podcast <laughs> that's definitely a glowing review i don't think it does um but yeah it's interesting because i think um t- for context in the christmas episode paul mentions medicare for all and us being uh, in favor of it so i think that's what he means when he's talking about our politics um and then also critiquing karen's as being like you know call the police on on, on black people type folks um so I think that's what he's referencing there. But I like how that's like paired with like this kind of apathetic, like, you know, why we got to be so serious about <laughs> the way the world is all the time. <laughs> Paul, any thoughts? You were you were very effusive during that segment. What do you mean effusive? Your face was showing a lot of expression. Uh, okay. Uh, you know I'm stupid and don't know words. I thought effusive meant you were avoiding something for some reason, but I think that might just be because it sounds like avoiding. <laughs> Wait, what's the <laughs> thing we're supposed stupid. to say when we don't know a word? <laughs> oh, yeah, Effusive. yeah, yeah. Yes, Me and yes. Adrian have a secret code <laughs> for each other when we don't know the definition of a word, which is... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, definitely. And then you repeat the word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, effusive. That is certainly what I was being. <laughs> um. Yeah, any thoughts about it or... Dude, I'm loving it. He, he's got a good energy for complimenting us on our energy. I, I'm going to leave him a five-star review on Fiverr for having good energy. Uh, we already did. Oh, okay. Um, but you're, you're right. It, it, it is like, I wonder how much is like, I feel like they, I feel like a lot of the, it seems like maybe these people saw their job as like, these people need a confidence boost and I'm here to like be their life coach to pump them up. He's just a much so, better version of what the other guy did. Like, he just put yeah. way more effort into finding a way to compliment the podcast. And it, it sounds genuine, but I don't really believe most of it. Yeah, either we're too either we're too self-hating or, yeah, it just it doesn't seem like. <laughs> yeah, so two things. One, what I want to do is send in, like, a really bad podcast for them to review and see if they, like, give it as high of a compliment as, like, a control <laughs> test. Um, and then two is... Uh, I think for our podcast, I just assumed so much of the enjoyment had to come from knowing me and Paul. It seems weird for me to him actually to really enjoy this podcast. Mm. But then again, we got folks in Romania listening to me and Paul who have probably never heard uh, anything about us or know us at all. Got Romanian kings and queens out here. Yeah. You know, here's to your podcast. Keep marketing. Keep letting more people hear it because the more people that hear it, the more people that catch wind. Uh, this is only the beginning, man. It's going to blow up in no time. So thank you so much and happy podcasting to you. Okay, Adrian, I do have one question for you. 
because I do not remember what I said about Karen's, and you've mentioned <laughs> it, and then he mentioned it, and I haven't listened to that Christmas episode in a while. What was my point about Karen's? <laughs> we were talking about how it's lost all meaning as a word, because you were saying, like, an example of someone being like, oh, we need Medicare for all, and someone's saying, like, fucking Karen's trying to raise my taxes. Uh, and okay, we were talking about, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. Karen is a very specific word for a very specific type of person. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gotcha, Paul stands behind. Yeah, yeah, I do still stand behind that. Karen is somebody who calls the cops in a situation where it doesn't require it because they're terrified of the world and trying to mm-hmm. use their power to harass others by calling the police as a method of attack. It is not just any white woman you don't like online. Okay. Are we ready for our last review? Mm-hmm. Besides the uh, podcast to burn. Actually, do you want to do podcast to burn next? Oh, no, let's do the, this one. and so we'll, we'll switch gears. Okay, because this one's a little bit long, but here we go. So, hello, Paul and Adrian. I hope you both are having a splendid day. I hope you both are actually listening to this at the same time. If so, hey, but if not, it's okay. Hey to at least one of you. And nevertheless, nevertheless, let's get into it. First of all, I had no idea that your your podcast episodes were like over an hour. I feel so bad that I could only listen to the first 15 oh, minutes. Oh, feel free. You can listen But nonetheless, more. I do still have a bunch of commentary, a bunch of comments, um, a few critiques to share with you both. So I hope you guys are listening. Um, nevertheless, first of all, the intro song, period, period. I'm so sorry if people have like a like a very generic or like boring song it just doesn't set up the atmosphere for me, but I just love you guys' intro, period. And on top of that, the greeting where I don't know which one of you said it, but where you guys where one of you guys said, What's up, slut? It made me giggle. I wasn't expecting it. Um, but truthfully, I loved it. Like I just love how I don't know. I don't really want to say blunt you guys are, but just how chill you both are. Like I wrote it in the review that I put on Apple Podcasts. You guys' vibe is just so different, and I I don't mean to sound cliche, but I truly have not listened to a podcast in a really long time, or reviewed a podcast in a really long time that resembles you you guys' podcast because you guys don't force it, and that's what I truly enjoy. Like it's definitely an enjoyable conversation um, for the both of you, and it's we can sense it like through I can just sense it through hearing you both to be honest nevertheless the casual conversation I enjoyed it the overall banter I enjoyed it alongside the sprinkle you know of sass and cursing so really quick just a little commentary director's commentary um two things one is uh fuck what was I gonna say what has she said so far oh she seems a little bit more socially conservative because she mentioned in her review uh, about us like cursing like that was like a thing for her that was like oh it's sassy i like how they curse every now and then <laughs> so apparently that <laughs> oh, was something no. she actually thought about um which i thought was weird for an adult to say the other thing is that part of her requirements to get the fiverr review is that she asks you to write out what your strengths and weaknesses you uh, think your podcast has and so i literally in the moment wrote this is the intro to the episode we think our intros are too long that's a con the pro is that Paul and I have been friends for a long time, and I think that shows in the chemistry. So I think that's why she kind of uh, focused in on that part of it. Okay, okay. 
it was truthfully a personal favorite of mine. And like I said, you guys are both very jovial and it shows through. And I forgot to mention it. The audio is crystal clear. I'm the type of person, if I'm listening to a podcast and the audio is off, I'm turning it off. It's just a no-go for me. It's a zero out of 10. But truthfully, the audio was pretty much crystal clear. There was little to no fuzz, which I definitely appreciated. Um, And I could tell, like, after reading you guys' comment that you wrote um, about a strength that you guys saw within your podcast, I can definitely tell that you guys have been very close, or I can tell that you guys are longtime friends. I, I just know at this point. Nevertheless, true, I will say um, that you guys' intro, like I'm not talking about the song, but I'm talking about the banter that you guys did have. It was a bit long because I, I did write this down at around 12 minutes. Um, Paul asked Adrian, oh, do you want to get to it now? Like the topic of conversation, do you want to get to it? And I felt so sad because I couldn't like, so basically I only got like three minutes to really like listen to like, you know, the meat of you guys' content and the meat of just the overall episode but nonetheless i will say besides that i will say that i loved you guys's differing perspectives on the whole happy holidays and merry christmas i feel that throughout this podcast episode like even though you guys were saying such simple things it did give me the the opportunity to reflect and it did give me the opportunity to just just like i said reflect and just think more deeply on certain things because there were underlying meanings like the part where you guys were talking about like certain people who say Merry Christmas, um, they're kind of like bad people or the point where you guys specifically were talking about the whole Karen thing that sometimes Karens do not actually mean to be obnoxious, but like Karens overall, like some of them actually could be used to better the world and not all of them mean to be extra or, or call the police and just basically, like I said, be extra. Paul, any comments so far? I just want to take a quick break to see if you had anything to say. To be fair, um, I was the person who said that people who say Merry Christmas are bad people. You you said uh, something against that I, point. I was going to say, I, I don't think I agree with that. I forget what... what, what, what <laughs> I'm a little... Um, I'm trying to figure out what... I should have had you listen to, to the a, first 15 minutes of uh, the episode before we yeah, did this. Okay. I was going to say, because I don't think people who say Merry Christmas are bad people. Um, who was she agreeing with? Sorry, I kind of got a little bit. I think she was just saying that the whole conversation made her think more about it. Because I said, okay. I thought it was, it made her a bad person because I said happy holidays. And she said, oh, you're making, they're making you say that, right? And mm. I, I was like, if you're going to have that attitude about it, you're probably a bad person. Like, you're probably a Fox News, like there's a war on <laughs> Christmas type person. Gotcha, gotcha. Um so you think this reviewer is a little bit more culturally conservative and is 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 coming at you a little bit here. And then she's saying some Karens are good. And I don't think that was my point during that segment, but <laughs> she's making it sound like that was my point. So I'm not well, sure about that. I don't think it is. But isn't that part of the conversation about like white allies is like use your privilege for good instead of uh... like that's like my story about how when we were with Nando's uh, ex-husband and like we were un I don't know if unjustly, but like we were not being uh, treated very well at a hotel uh, and so like for check-in and so he went up and complained to the manager <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i don't know um okay so really but quick, yeah keep keep that review rolling i'm interested is there anything else saucy at the end 
And I love how you guys just transition so casually. Like you guys, like the whole episode, it flowed. And that's what I enjoyed. It flowed. Once again, it was not forced. But my only thing that I would say, going back to the whole thing of um, you guys starting around 12 minutes to get into the meat of conversation, I would say possibly in the future, I don't know if you guys already do this, but I would say possibly like writing down the topics or the things that you guys would want to discuss, like writing it down and just having it by you guys. So that possibly because there was one point while I was listening that I was kind of confused as to where you guys were going with the with the points of conversation. I was a little bit lost and I did have to rewind. So possibly what I would say is having that list of topics and just keeping it by your side and then just basically looking over it and just making sure that you guys are staying on track just so that your audience is not like questioning or like curious as to what's going to happen next never nevertheless um i do also like the part where you guys were talking about how certain words can become meaningless because people start to talk out of turn people start to just say things out of context um once again you guys did help me to truly think about certain things um despite that you guys were talking about such simple things it did give me a minute to reflect which i did appreciate overall this podcast is very modern um once again i love the podcast i love that you guys brought up your pet peeves i love that you guys were able to show your personality and you weren't uptight you weren't just you know just trying to be so overly professional but you guys really just let your personality show through and i feel like it gives your podcast character so i appreciate it i did send in my review already because i did love you guys' podcast i would say to keep up the good work if you guys have any questions if you want me to clarify anything then please let me know but once again i do love your podcast y'all better keep the intro because it's fire it's popping it's a bop period <laughs> but once again great job honestly you i'm know, just glad it's people interesting oh, oh go ahead honestly i'm just glad people like the theme song <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that both people who left audio reviews really concentrated on the social good that we're doing for society <laughs> by making this podcast <laughs> on how much we're doing for the world. And I think a lot of my friends who have listened and people who I've uh, talked to in real life about this haven't concentrated on how I'm a hero as much as I would have wished. That's that's true. I think not enough of our friends left reviews about Paul being the uh, new Fred Hampton, the new MLK, the new Malcolm X. <laughs> and Paul does a little power fist. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn. All right. Uh, and now let's get to our, in comparison, incredibly tame and uh, <laughs> and toned down review from <laughs> people we actually know. <laughs> In real life. Well, from people that Paul knows, I, I don't know who these people are. Oh, yeah. These are uh, Ethan and Rachel. Um, Rachel is a friend of mine from college, and Ethan is a future friend of mine from life. Uh, All right. So... Uh, they, I think you would like them, Adrian. They both have Pine Grove tattoos, and I know Pine Grove is one of your favorite bands. I mean, Pine Grove has a lyric about people getting Pine Grove tattoos, and I gotta say, I'm not a fan. I think Drake almost oh, got damn. one. Oh, damn. Uh, Ethan Weisgarbe. Did she take his last name? Well, uh, I guess they're not actually married yet, so maybe she will. No, you know what? Rachel seems kind of modern. I would maybe recommend not. don't. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a last name. <laughs> what? That sounds like a cool last name. That sounds like a like a Nordic. That's like a 
like a Viking. To be fair, I consider myself a modern woman, but I have kind of already decided that because Perez is the Smith of the Latino world, if I do get married, I'll probably just take my partner's name. Like there's really? there's a but really not... there's a very small chance that it's a name that's more boring than mine, unless I marry someone named Smith. Yeah, but I mean it's all contextual. You're not in the Latino world. You're really gonna erase your history, your culture, your culture, your heritage. You're gonna whitewash all that. Yeah, when to, I marry become... when I marry you and I become Adrian Kawaja. <laughs> that is gonna be when we finally run the greatest tax scam of all time to make this podcast. podcast what is that Adam Sandler uh, mall cop movie? <laughs> uh, you, me, and Larry. It's that guy, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Back when it was such a funny idea to have to get gay married to your friends that Oof. you could make a whole movie about it. I tell you what. Uh, there's a whole plot line in the second season of Will and Grace where Jack gets married to Karen's um, housekeeper to get her a green card. Uh, there's a whole really funny zany episode where they have to go through the interview of like proving that they're actually in love. Uh, highly recommend. All right. So this is. All right. So this is podcast to burn Rachel and Ethan. Um, so I will go ahead and play the review of this podcast. employees have been doing like taylor swift i'm thinking about search party now yeah me too you guys haven't seen the new season of search party shout out oh i um i want to do a uh i don't remember what they call it on paul's podcast he gave us a shout out my friend paul has a podcast and viewership has gone up a thousand percent i listen to it every week it goes crazy i haven't listened to it yet but i will now yeah he texted me a week or two ago, and he was like, listen to this timestamp on the podcast. And they do, a, oh, they call it a media roundup. Mm. That's how you can tell she listens. Shows and stuff, and Paul gave us a shout-out. So, shout-out Paul and Adrian, Big Fag Snowcap. Check it out. They read, they read um, like, advice columns. They read the question, mm. like, Dear Prudence or, you know, whatever. They'll read the question, give what they think they would have responded and then read like what the actual response was. It's fun. It's a good time. That does sound fun. Yeah. I, like I think it. it's a good concept. I like the when they have little segments where they do that on Chapo. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I can imagine, you know, just that. Um, so we did, we did get compared to Chapo, which is not the first time that's happened because the theme song, my roommate's critique of it was, that sounds like a Chapo ripoff. Ugh, still for the song me. you produced yeah <laughs> yeah i do disagree with that take i mean they're both just kind of hip-hop inspired they're just yeah beats. but my 808s hit way like, harder than fucking chapo's theme song also there's just more like a soundcloud trap vibe where ours is very yeah, much yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. yeah um and then the other thing i want to say is i don't know if you guys could tell um i'm sure you're not thinking about it but just to put context to both of the people who reviewed who gave us audio and video clips um they, they were both black people and I think the liveliness and jovialness of their reviews really contrasts with Rachel's white woman energy of. Well, I didn't know you were going to come come in harsh on my friends. No, no, no. I think it's it's a very solid review, a very um, toned down explanation of exactly what we are about, which these other two people didn't actually get because they didn't get to the part where we actually read any articles. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. you can forgive them for that, but well, second shout out to Podcast to Burn, the Evermore episode they just put out, which that review then was a good one. Um, 
sorry that Adrian is clowning on you guys through this whole segment, Rachel, and Ethan. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I still haven't listened to the, uh, I think when you made the media roundup, you mentioned their ex-boyfriend lit tier list or whatever. Uh, still yeah, that, that episode, episode was good. Yeah, yeah the, the Taylor Swift ex-boyfriend tier list. Look at that. Paul and his recommendations giving out specifics and not just, uh, wait, why am I going after Rachel more now? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> um anyways okay yeah so that's our third segment of us reacting to people reviewing this podcast if uh you know if if you guys want to send in more reviews for us to react to we would be happy to send that in big facts no cap pod at gmail.com all right paul any final thoughts on uh those reviews um i think we kind of basically summed them up they were overall positive because they thought that's what we wanted and it, it did feel nice it was nice for someone to say that they liked the theme song it was nice for someone to say they thought the pod was good uh i want to believe them for sure i agree um it, it, it did feel nice to hear even if we paid them to stroke our egos all right you want to get into the actual thing that we claim this podcast We're is about to be doing <laughs> yeah let's do that uh okay so my article this week is from randa uh, gerard you might know her from as the person who told Paul's fortune based on his coffee grounds, uh, who said that he was going to be in a loveless relationship uh, that's going to end soon. Uh, how's that going, by the way, Paul? Still going strong, so show with you wrong, right. Rhonda. You're not actually immediately a, discrediting our. You're not actually <laughs> our columnist for this week. All right, R- uh, Randa Gerard is the author of the forthcoming memoir "Love Is an Ex Country," the novel "A Map of Home," and the collection of stories "Him, Me, Muhammad Ali." She is also a performer who has recently appeared in Hulu's Rami, as well as the short films Got Game and Finjan. Her essays appeared in the New York Times, Magazine, Salon, Bitch, BuzzFeed, and elsewhere. She's a, recip- she's a recipient of the Creative Capital Award and an American Book Award, as well as awards and fellowships from the Civitella Ranieri Foundation, the Lannanin Foundation, Hedgebrook, Penn, and others. She lives in Los Angeles. She also has a whole timeline of her history. Um, so she was she was born in Chicago to an Egyptian mom and a Palestinian baba. And then she moved to Kuwait two months later. Um, because of instability in Kuwait from an invasion from Iraq, she moves to Egypt and then eventually moves back to the States where she became a writer. Uh, this is her advice column, uh, Ask Auntie Rhonda. And it's about sex positivity, queerness, as well as cultural identity. And so this one um, kind of squarely fits into that last category. So, dear Auntie Rhonda, I was born and raised here as the child of Palestinian immigrants. With my light skin and my accentless English, I have the ability to pass as white and I look ethnically ambiguous. Looking back at my personal history with my race, I see years of cultural rejection and shame, assimilation, and a deep need to belong. The problem is, I am labeled as too white or Americanized when I am with other Arabs slash POC. Even my own family. How can I forgive myself for assimilating to white culture so strongly, develop a Palestinian identity in an authentic way, and find a space where I feel like I belong? Signed, Arab-ish. So, Paul, I'll tackle this one as someone who I think identifies more with this yeah, um, yeah. article. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I think it only makes sense for you to hit this one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think generally I kind of, uh, res- I think this resonates with me. I think, um, I think I've think i mentioned before on the podcast that, like, specifically my nuclear family is, like, the most assimilated of all of my relatives, probably. We're the only, like, non-religious ones, the only, like, uh, my parents didn't teach me Spanish growing up. Um and uh, certainly, I think Dorley and I have connected with the idea of being a coconut, 
you know, the uh, whole uh, brown on the outside, white on the inside concept, which I think came from Mindy Kaling's show is where Dorley heard it. So yeah, I identify with this. I th- I'm sympathetic to it. I am also a white passing Arab. Honestly, as a white passing Arab, I feel like most people always tell me they either think I'm just white or they tell me like, oh, I just thought you were like you you were like a white Hispanic. Like they can sense a little bit like something's off, but <laughs> that's like I think it, to quote Paul from when I showed him somebody uh, as a way of being like this person identifies as a POC and like profits off of it. You were like, oh, I could tell they were spicy white, but <laughs> I didn't think they were. Uh, I, I still thought they were basically white. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, what's his name, um, from Portlandia. Like, you can tell they're spicy white. but Fred Armisen? <laughs> yeah, Fred Armisen. <laughs> like... Yeah, Fred Armisen's funny, too, because, like, he played everyone from, like, regular white people to Venezuelan dictators to Obama. <laughs> so, like, he really just fills any role. <laughs> <laughs> he takes whatever he wants, um, as is his privilege as a white man. Um, mm. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm... Well, no, he is he is part Latino. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I was being problematic like the people in this question. I just thought that was a funny, <laughs> funny thing to say. Um, I sort of relate to this question because, I don't know, I, I assume the answer that Rhonda is going to give is the answer I came to a while ago, which is, yeah, like, fuck them. If somebody just calls you white, that's the biggest issue is what what qualities, like, do they see in you that they're calling white qualities? And what does that say about their judgments about Arab people? And in, in my point of view, um, mm. and, Paul loves spreading diseases. He loves genocide. Uh, absolutely adores. I can't think of a third one to make the joke work. Yeah, because often it's like some sort of statement about like, oh, you're so polite and you speak so well and. You know, you you like mm. nerdy things instead of you know liking the things we assume Arabs like, like abusing women and terrorism. Like that's kind of the <laughs> oh like, oh. So you mean from when when white people tell you mm-hmm. that they didn't that okay Dude, yeah I totally people, see that yeah white people love to degrade foreigners and black people they love to do as, one like of the you're good ones. you're one of the, like you're so white it's like yeah. you're a fucking white person shut up it's not it's not like it, it doesn't make you some sort of cultured white person because you think foreigners are super white like. Don't come at me with yeah, that Yeah, I was shit. about to say, yeah, the whole thing about someone calling you articulate was what cued me into like, oh, you're talking about a white person talking about you and the whole one of the good ones narrative, which I literally got before. Um, This is a story I've never told before to anyone, I don't think, because it never really came up. But there was a while where I came home first week of college when everyone just goes out and parties and like meets new people. I was walking home drunk and met some guys on my way back to my dorm. And so I, hung, I would hang out with them for a while because a lot more than the friends I had there, they had really easy access to beer because one of them was actually over 21. So I would go hang out with them. And at one point, they start talking really racist shit about black people and expect me to agree with them. And I was like, why would you th- why would you think that? Like, I told him I was like, no, I, I'm not cool with this. Like, why would you think I'd be OK with that? <laughs> um, so I've gotten that. And then I've also gotten the more direct, like, one of the good ones, one where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Latin people do X, Y, or Z, but Adrian's so, he's so nice, and so, well, he's so good at school, and whatever. Yeah, I think I've told the story before on the pod, but I literally got that from the head of the SC GOP, the South Carolina GOP, called me one of the good ones, mm. as far as the Arabs go. But yeah, I, I, I never think it's cute or endearing when a white person tries to call um, an Arab or, like, a Latino or a black person, like, you're so mm-hmm. white, <laughs> Mm. never never a cute thing to say um 
This person, I do think it's interesting that they say that their family critiques them as being too Americanized or too oh, white. Oh, that happens in my family. Oh, really? But, I, yeah. so I think my note on that is their family has to be living in America because that's definitely an immigrant mindset. People in the Middle East, I do not think see being too white or too Americanized or too Western as like a mm. thing to critique. That's yeah, I think that's true. I'm talking about people that are living in America. Yeah, right it's now, a, it's right. a, it's a, that's a second generation mindset thing. Nobody from other countries really sees it that way. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, maybe they do. I mean, this person's Palestinian. I'm Lebanese. It's it is it's not exactly the same thing. Um, both Levant cultures. You are who you are. You're not. You're not. You. you you're an Arab, but you're also a first generation immigrant. I mean, you're multiple things. You're not one thing. You're also I uh, they they don't actually mention, but I mean, you, you you hold multitudes. You have many identities. It's not a funny answer, but damn, I, I thought I was going to beat you to that. Of uh, I contain multitudes. It was literally the quote that I was going to <laughs> say about that. Um, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, how how much, especially for Paul and I, growing up where you're one of three people of color <laughs> or like five people of color in your school and like in your community, not even like, you know, Lebanese people, not even Guatemalan Americans. You're one of like 10 people of color in your entire community. What kind of identity are you supposed to create from just having parents of a culture? Like um, the whole, like a big part of the identity comes from community. And like, we, I don't want to say it too strongly, but we were robbed of that opportunity. So like, why would I feel bad about coming out the way that I did? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really consider myself super white. I think I, I take a little bit of a different stance where I don't even think that's true. I literally think people's assumptions on what it means to be white or what it means to be Arab are kind of fucked up. Mm. Um, I think to me, I, I so I that's true. I think what I say is that I identify very strongly as American. Yeah. Not necessarily as white. Yeah. I do I do identify as very American. I, I get that, but I don't yeah. think I don't think calling me white is to me, it doesn't really hit in any certain way other than, oh, you you have a fucked up relationship with what you expect me to be. Sure. Yeah, I think the other thing that I always think about when, uh, when immediately when I read this question, the first thing I thought of was Chum by Earl Sweatshirt of that lyric of like, <laughs> too white for the black kids, too black for the whites. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had many people of color express that opinion to me of uh, the way that they like struggled with their identity as like immigrants or whatever. Uh, and I think it's pretty it's pretty spot on, pretty bang on. But I don't know. Maybe you're saying I think Paul's idea is that he's rejecting this entire framework. Yeah. Well, also, I, I, I mean, I there wasn't with, enough yeah. Arab kids for me to feel too white for the Arab kids. I guess that was the problem. Like the other Arabs I knew, mm. I would see on the weekends. Um, because yeah, it's friends, like I would go see my cousins for a holiday. My friends were parents, you know. or my parents were friends with other Arab families, and then I would see my family, but they were never. Well, my friends were parents because we were Latinos, so I was like 16 going to see my friends. <laughs> but yeah, when you would see like when I would go visit my family in Lebanon, it's like they don't have this mindset because it's a very American mindset. They didn't see me as they saw me as American, but they definitely didn't see me as any like we are the same people. Like, I mean, I'm fully Lebanese. I'm not any whiter. <laughs> I don't know that it never felt like a, a judgment on whiteness. The being scared of the guy with the gun and putting my hands up. That was like an American thing, not a white thing. I right. never felt like I think, any sort um, of whiteness. Oh, because the white thing to do is that you wouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I think the other thing about it is specifically, this is something where we differ, where because my parents never decided to really enforce teaching Spanish to me or Dora Lee, 
um that was a big point of contention where like our aunts and uncles would definitely like say stuff about like enduring family gatherings about me not being able to speak spanish or whatever which um i don't know how i feel about that one it is a useful skill probably should have learned it maybe wish my parents had tried a little bit harder to teach me but they thought it was more important for me to like learn english if i'm going to be in america uh, you know, if learn the language if you move to a country. But also, unlike some of my cousins, they didn't want me to be in programs where I was learning English as a second language in school rather than just being a student who knew English being in school. Mm. Uh, and that was like part of the consideration. That was almost certainly a good idea. The the English as a second language, the ASL classes were notoriously like poorly run. And, mm-hmm. and Lexington, South Carolina. <laughs> So, wait, let me get to what the advice is. Um, They specifically... What the question is? Yeah, what the question is. How can I forgive myself for assimilating to white culture so strongly? Once again, I I disagree with that framework. You haven't assimilated to white culture. White people are honestly being, in my view, racist by claiming any sort of way you act is somehow too white or not how arabs are supposed to act you're supposed to act how you are they'll develop a if their claim is that you being civilized is white there's a then that's on them yeah if, if they think the fact that you yeah. know about math and culture and <laughs> speak english well if you know about the stuff that the arabs actually invented for us like math or astronomy or new <laughs> numbers like what well, you like anime and they consider that too white like that's a japanese thing you know what, what are you enjoying that they're like that's too white a thing or doing mm. paul loves mayonnaise <laughs> Um, how can I, uh, develop a Palestinian identity? Um, you know, talk to your parents. It's probably not a bad idea to, if you, if you know Arabic, try to like incorporate speaking more Arabic in your day-to-day life, uh, speaking with more people. Inshallah. <laughs> uh, read, read some history. Yeah, read history. Go, go beyond what your parents know. Yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. You'll almost certainly very history. quickly learn more than your parents know, because yeah. I, that's what I've learned from learning Lebanese history. Is that's my parents incredibly true. Yes. know a very hilarious I, I, amount. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have felt more nationalism reading a book about Guatemala having their democracies overturned by the U.S. than I have from anything that my parents have done which i feel like is like not an indictment on them but like the way that your parents teach you to be a certain culture is so subtle it's just a way of being right it's not like um Mm -hmm. like actually that was one of the things talking about what we said earlier um one of the ongoing jokes with me and my siblings was like just how my parents described guatemala as being such a paradise um of like, you know, my dad talks about Guatemala like it's always the perfect temperature. Like it's everything's always exactly as you want it to be in Guatemala. It's a paradise. Um, but getting like a really realistic view of the country that my parents come from and the history that it's had has, has been a great source of like, man, I want to incorporate that into how I exist in the future. And it's I really like knowing about this. Uh, it's cool that I'm a part of this in some way. Oh, and as a Palestinian, I mean... <sighs> Uh, like, there's a lot more Palestinian groups in America because there's a very clear delineation between the political aims of Palestinians. Like, mm-hmm. there's a common cause. So I think there's a lot more, like, shared Palestinian drive and uh, political energy in America than almost for any other Arab identity. So I'm sure you could find Palestinians who are organizing and uh, trying to do stuff if you're 
if you're in any sort of city, you can almost certainly find a Palestinian group um, that is, you know, spicy. You'll end up on some, you'll end up on some lists. For sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> you know, um, uh, hey, it's like people to, people to speak Arabic with, people to, you know, people to enjoy like the common food and uh, sense of culture with. And, uh, you know, I think, I think most of them are pretty open to anybody I think a lot of this stuff is probably judgment in your head and other people aren't going to be as uh, as quick to judge as you think they are. They're, if you have Palestinian parents, I'm sure they'll be happy to to include you in the fold. I think the last question of finding a place, of finding a space where I belong, I mean, yeah, the kind of American mythos is very much a lie, but in the sense that, like, America is a place where anyone can belong, I... I, 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 I sort of get that i get yeah like you know if you're just uh if you're here as a second generation immigrant as an american then you belong you're an american i don't know if that's a satisfactory answer um i think the real family was the friends we made along the way because <laughs> it sounds like the issue is that they belong too much right like they belong yeah finding a space where you belong if you're already a very american person then you're an american person you're like, right she should hit lululemon with her white friends that's like just forget all <laughs> this true. palestinian stuff <laughs> Um, and, well, in, in your, uh, I contain multitudes thing, uh, you can exist and belong in multiple places. You can exist and belong in a politically active group of Palestinian people. You can exist and belong in a random group of American friends. Mm. Those are both, those both can be home for you in different ways. Also, drop the Arab thing completely. Draw on little- Change your name to Steve. Draw on little baby hairs. Get big loop gold earrings. Paul, why are these your associations with Latin people? Because <laughs> this is this has been a this is a recurring trope. Um, start wearing really tight crop tops, um, and short skirts, and assimilate into Latin culture instead of Arab culture. Mm, Rachel Dole is all it. Yeah, Rachel Dole is all it. Uh, just forget about the whole Arab thing. Um, and join Adrian's people. Hey, we're fun. What can I say? And we'll make some good carne asada and yellow rice for you. Ooh, yeah. Start having. Start going to those uh, front yard cookouts. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do the Cat Williams bit here, but I want to so bad, though. Why is your daughter all the age of three <laughs> in a wedding dress running around the laundromat in soccer cleats? We are tired of going to the laundromat to see you in there. Your baby girl is all of seven years old. This bitch has on a wedding dress and soccer shoes. Where the fuck is she going? Is he marrying bleach? Paul's so mystified by my beautiful culture, he won't understand it. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Um, okay, so do you want to get to the uh, answer since it's a pretty long answer? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how much of what I said made sense in that, my advice to this person, but hopefully Rhonda knows what she's talking about. Yeah, hopefully she's Rhonda the one gets paid is... the big bucks to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she's on Rami. That's a good show, so she has to be smart. Yeah. Do you know who she played? No, I actually don't remember her character. She was the spiritual advisor that Rami's sister goes to see whenever she realizes she's losing her hair. Oh, damn. That was a good episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, she starts off strong with a dear Arab-ish, crossed it out, and said, dear Arab. Do you think nobody taught her are... that there's a backspace button on a keyboard? She had to go figure <laughs> out how to cross it out? I think someone taught her that there's a cross, there's a crossing out the word button on, on word. Um... Here we go. You are Arab, period. 
Your parents are Palestinian. You are Palestinian. Palestinians can be light-skinned, brown, black, and everything in between. The years of cultural rejection, shame, and assimilation you're telling me about were years when you were trying to survive. You were ill with the toxicity and genocidal erasure properties of white supremacy. You are not a fundamentally self-hating person. You grew up in a culture that actively encouraged and rewarded you for erasing yourself. Let's move on to Arabs and their problem with white passing and light-skinned privilege. Most Arabs have internalized white standards of beauty, and again, because it was forced down our throats. Now, there are adult, now that we are adults, we can educate ourselves. I encourage you to correct yourself and your family members when they refer to you as white. Remember that white is a construct. White is a property. White is people whose DNA and ethnic backgrounds is from Europe. Palestine is not in Europe. Laying down facts, just straight geographical facts. White is the idea that light skin is superior to others. When or if anyone values your light skin or says you're prettier for having light skin or celebrates your light skin, remember them, remind them that they are victims of white supremacy. It will sound weird to them at first, but the more you remind them, the less weird it will sound. As a first-generation immigrant, you have the power to break cycles, introducing new language, and practice patience. Let's move on to being Americanized. Again, remind yourself that America is everyone. It's indigenous, black, and everyone else you came after. American does not equal white. There are 1.5 million Arab Americans. They are Arab and American. They are American and Arab. You do not have to choose. Let's talk about other POC. One thing you have to do is accept that you have light skin privilege. This does not make you too white, nor does it negate your experience as a person of color. It does make you have privilege, and your POC friends are right about that. As a woman with light skin privilege myself, I try to be quiet and listen to use my privilege to affect the outcomes that will be ideal for my friends, to be sensitive in my complaints. For example, I would not talk about how difficult it is to find a stylist who does Palestinian Egyptian fine curls with a black woman who lives in the same city as I do and is having much more difficult time finding a hair pattern. Exactly. This is what we use our privilege for, not to put down people or make them feel less than because of how much their struggle of finding a hair person is. That's how you use your privilege effectively. It just mirrors that one seem like a trivial one. <laughs> no, absolutely, but I'm not going to go on record saying that. I'm cutting this out where I agree with you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm cutting out me then. This is a combination of common sense and sensitivity. Every day, people with light skin privilege must examine our anti-blackness and the ways in which we invest in it however shameful that may feel. Last, you will not need to feel part of an Arab or Palestinian identity club if you remember that you're an authentic human person and don't need the approval of others. You wake up and you're a Palestinian. You're a Palestinian in the shower, in a car, at work, or on a walk. That need for approval is left is leftover white supremacy and white Zionist toxicity, which tells you that you don't exist, which erases you or convinces you that you have to apply or be chosen to be part of a club. You're already here, sis. All right, thoughts on that one? Um, pretty controversial of her. This is this is published on Bitch Media, but for her to say they that need for approval anti-Zionist is leftover white supremacist and white Zionist toxicity. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell this is published on Bitch Media, not like the New York Times or something. That's a pretty spicy comment for uh, to get published by any of the like regular journalistic outlets that's the thing about Rhonda is that you can't tell that she's spicy white when you look at her but when she gives her opinions you're like, <laughs> you're like she's a spicy white she's a spicy white <laughs> uh that, that's pretty cool i mean that's all true i mean literally there was like there's years of uh academic research about how palestinian people didn't really exist and it was just an empty de desert before before zionists discovered it so I mean, it's literally the most, like, academics tried to invent a theory for 
literally erasing a whole group of people. So when she's talking about, mm-hmm. like, uh, your identity being erased by others, almost the most literal people in the world that happened to is Palestinians when a whole academic field popped up in, like, mm-hmm. the 80s around how they never even existed and that were a fake mm-hmm. people. So, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty pretty damn true and the rest of it all was like pretty good info all 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 true stuff all all good all good woke stuff yeah i think she made a more explicit point than we did about separating being american from whatever like wherever you're from Mm -hmm. like it's it's the whole point of it is that's a secondary identifier and i think we could have said that more explicitly when i was saying that like i identify not as being very white but as being very american but I will mention at one point she does. So there's a uh, she's not she's not wrong at all here when she's talking about white being a construct and that having nothing to do uh, with DNA. What, mm-hmm. Well, it says actually it does. White is people whose DNA and ethnic background is Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. th- uh, she's even not wrong, like but like shifting the goalpost even shift on that yeah the goalpost could easily shift on that i mean it already has for italians and greek people and irish people and outside of the goalpost shifting i don't think whiteness is a i mean it's a that geographic location is also a construct so to claim that it Mm -hmm. it's a construct without acknowledging the fact that even your definition of how that construct is created isn't a f- like it's that's also not a fulfilling definition of whiteness to me to say it's people whose dna and ethnic background is europe i think the yeah, problem is that. that there is no there is no definition of whiteness that would feel right it's pretty hard thing to put your hands on and grasp and i mean that's not to say anything she said was wrong just it it did strike me as like saying palestine is not in europe to me is maybe not the best argument i mean it you're not white when you're palestinian because I mean, the world doesn't treat Palestinians as white. That, that's the only workable definition yeah. of whiteness I've ever heard. Does the world treat you as is, white? Yeah. Does the world treat your group of people as white or does it not? And, you know, you're either in column A or column B, but like your actual geographical destination, I don't think is the one I would try to go with as a good definition. Yeah, I agree. That I think those are all good points. Thank you, Adrian. I think that was constructive yeah. criticism of my points. <laughs> uh did you switch to water mm-hmm. no this is vodka i'm going hard <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she she wrote a lot in there so it, i feel i don't know if i like have learned better breath control but usually when i read an answer this long i feel winded by the end of it but i, I felt okay at the end of this one but she certainly said a lot and i don't know if i have specific comments about any of it i think it's generally good advice um uh yeah i don't know paul um here's something where we might be able to get a little bit of controversial on the pod Mm. how much of your conforming to american standards of behavior do you think was like a coping mechanism in the way that she describes Uh, i mean actually maybe maybe i can throw this back at you as a biologist like how much do you think our behavior is coded by our genetics and our ethnicity and how much do you think our behavior is coded by nurture no, nurture versus nature is bullshit. That's the answer to that argument. It's clearly both, and it's hard to tell. Well, that's why I asked how much. Blood. How much? Why do you? How much do you think is coded by who we are versus where we're raised, or in what environment we're raised? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Because that's mm-hmm. really what you're asking me, right? I mean, I have no idea. I think I think I I think I'm a you know, we we were talking about authenticity. I think I'm who I am and I think I'm a pretty authentic person. I'm not like this I don't really see myself as a construct, but maybe I am in so much as we all are. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I will say that the Adrian that's on the podcast is a slight caricature of the actual Adrian. Yeah. Because I, I try to play stuff up for yucks. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think I don't. I don't know. I don't in know how strong I want to say that. No matter where I was, silly, and my voice is much less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> this is all. Um, I don't know how. I don't know how much I want to lean into the statement of like, no matter where I was born, I would have ended up the same kind of person. Generally, I th- I think that's true. Paul, I still would have been. Paul like, is a uh, character hopefully... created by Fred Armisen for this podcast. This is all. <laughs> Can you play some drums uh, to loop us out? <laughs> this is all been genius character work. Sorry, Fred, I'm thinking you're making some good points about who you are. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I want to hear. No, 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 no. It's. Uh, oh. Uh, the dog is now in my room, uh, and the dog is now on my bed. Oh, nope, now he's leaving. I like how you had to go check on Dorley and Zach, like, I mean, wh- wh- when you went out there was, like, Dorley, like, scratching the couch and Zach was gnawing on your wires, like. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to be a good host, okay. um, making sure they're all right. But they're just eating Panda Express on the balcony. Dorley had shit on the floor, and she was looking really guilty about it, but it was clearly because she just gets anxiety once you leave the room. <laughs> hey, listen back to episode six or seven, Dogs of the Worst. Um, Dorley's uh, partner was confused by the fact that I did not want them to put the dog in a crate for sleeping. Mm. When he was like, oh, yeah, what's the sleeping situation? Like, what can he do? Like, we brought a, cr- a crate so we can put him in there. And I was like, oh, I don't like seeing dogs in crates. So you can just let him hang out wherever. Oh, no. I mean, and dogs like being in crates. Opinion. They think that. No, no. A lot of dogs like crates. Not. I think you might. Nope, disagree with that. What? No. Tons of dogs want to be in a crate. They'll go into it if you just leave it out. I don't think that's a good test of that. But also, um, his his opinion was also that he would prefer for his dog not to be in the crate. Oh, okay. I mean, if it's yeah. not a dog that enjoys sleeping, he was just surprised that I thought that I that I didn't want to box the dog up for the night. If, if you put a blanket over a crate, dogs love being in there. I mean, you could even leave the do- door open if you just enjoyed it. Like, yeah, if you put like a little thing that like makes a planetarium show where there's stars <laughs> on, <laughs> on the ceiling of the crate, dogs love it in there. But acting like you know anything about dogs, it's haram. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know anything about dogs. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's some good advice we didn't give to her. Uh, go to the mosque. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Not, she might be Christian Palestinian or not care for yeah, religion. That's true. Um, you know what? I wish I had been. I wish I'd prepared more for this question. To be honest, I kind of just picked it uh, and didn't really think about that much. I thought, oh, Paul will take this one on. But honestly, there were enough parallels that I should have thought more about my understanding of this whole situation. <laughs> Paul will take this one as a subject matter expert in being Arab. <laughs> um yeah i don't know yeah i guess we'll end with like a sentiment of like uh don't let people call you white for just being who you are uh you are who you are yeah yeah i think that's uh, you know sometimes you have to draw lines i know a lot of like uh 
I feel like for a lot of like black people, it's like not letting white people think it's like cool to try to say the N word around you. Like, hey, we're just friends, so I'm allowed to say it. Like, you have to draw that line. I think mm. as an Arab, one of the lines that I draw is, it's I don't think it's cute or funny for you to be like, oh, you're so white. Like, I'll just kind of take the attitude of no, that's not like a fun thing we you can just say to me because we're friends. I like that. I like. I might actually. Uh, I might start doing that from now on. All right, Adrian. So we're good with Rhonda. You feel like you've uh, you've used all your POC knowledge and ability. Should we get Dorley on this one? This seems like something where she would have like a hot take. No, she's gonna. No, I think she's gonna babble on with like no actual point and <laughs> just drone on and then suggest six Instagram pages to go check out. Here's a lot of PowerPoint slides I've been seeing about exactly this. <laughs> this is my version of reading theory. So. Uh... <laughs> Here's some Instagram posts to check out. All right. Well, uh, give then... me one sec. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go back really quick just to make sure they're okay. okay. <laughs> All right. They're doing okay. I just heard them come. They come back from uh, the balcony back inside. So I wanted to make sure they were doing okay. Um. Oh, yeah. And just for the sake of our audience, I mean, we've never had to put in footnotes for things we've said before. But if you're interested in what I was saying about like the 80s, having... the academic record of. Uh, yeah. The 80s having an area yeah. of scholarship. Uh, trying to erase the existence of Palestinian people, look up uh, critiques of the book From Time Immemorial by Joanne Peters, uh, published in 1984 and initially incredibly praised by the academic community until, uh, until you know, it was published in the UK. And then and then some of their people got a look at it and they were like, this, this, this isn't right. <laughs> mm. And if you want to read what I was talking about, about Guatemalan history, check out the book Bitter Fruit. The story of the American coup in Guatemala. It's a very detailed and enthralling read about a very horrible event of Americans overturning democracy because it's inconvenient for them. We've been obnoxious. We've definitely been obnoxiously woke this episode. Should we say two controversial opinions before going to our next uh, topic? Yeah, I'll say a controversial one. Trans women are women. (laughs) Oh, that is the one thing that I wanted to say really quick. Uh, God, this is going to be such a weird non sequitur episode. Um, everyone, or not everyone, the two people who listened to the Big Facts Christmas episode commented on our Karen thing and the Happy Holidays thing. Nobody commented on the joke you made that I loved about, uh, rereading Harry Potter or rewatching Harry Potter during the Christmas season because it's a kind of Christmassy movie and making the joke about like, yeah, and then there was that time that, uh, Ron said, uh, if you don't have a penis, you're not actually a man. And if you don't have a vagina, you're not a woman. I kind of see what she was saying back then now that I think about it. (laughs) Which I, like, love that joke. And, like, both of them were like, I'm not touching J.K. Rowling, you know? She's the GOAT. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, how I was shocked that Randa, uh, Randa, Randa could take on the uh, Zionism issue. I, I, I'm i kind of surprised we haven't been canceled for, for trying to take on the J.K. Rowling issue. <laughs> uh, all right. Paul, you want to get to your article? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we have bumbled on long enough. Let's get a little less, a uh, little less woke and a little bit more joke. Honestly, though, people who started on this episode probably think this is a political podcast. Strangely political. That's probably what they think about this podcast. Damn it. (laughs) She was right all along. All right. So I'm bringing on Dear Scabby from The Hard Times, and I haven't done any research on Scabby or who she is, but or The Hard Times. She was not on Hulu's Rami. (laughs) Boy, am I going to have an egg on my face when it turns out she was. She was Rami. Um, Isn't... Isn't... uh... The Hard Times, like a Onion Babylon B type website. Is it? Is it? Okay, let me let me do a little quick research then. Um, it looks Damn to it, be a music blog. 
The Hard Times is a very real punk news site that should that you should not question. Just absorb the information as truth and move on. The historic satire site was founded in December 1976, so it is a satire site. So I haven't read the answer to this column, so do you think the answer is going to be satire too? Huh. I don't know. I think this might just be like an edgy person that they hired for this. Okay, let's see if Scabby has a description as well. Uh, no, she does not. Yeah. It is very obviously satire of Dear Abby, though. Dear Scabby, my friend's band sucks. Oh, apologies. My friend's band fucking sucks. Like, really bad. Paul took that review to heart and he took out the occasional cursing because uh, <laughs> he really wants to... We're like BoJack Horseman now. We're only allowed one fuck per season, so we really gotta make it count. Like, really, really bad. She's constantly asking me what I think about new songs and how her show went, and I don't feel like I can keep up with the lies any longer. Should I keep being supportive or give it to her straight? Constructively critical. All right, Paul, let's let's talk this out. How do you feel about the open mics? I haven't listened to that much of y'all's music. We have a whole, we have a five song EP. That's all we have. <laughs> There's five songs. You know, I mean, actually, I was thinking we should do another column. Um, <laughs> add another column. We should read and review. I actually don't. Nah, I, nah, I don't nah, think nah. I've listened to y'all's EP. I, I like a lot of your beats. I like Phil's free. I like Phil's rap battles more than I usually like Phil on mm. uh, the songs y'all produce. Um, but that was before the open mics because I've listened to those uh, project more. Maybe I should listen to the open mics project. I I, I like that song that was about Halloween that him and Patrick did. I don't know if you were involved in <laughs> that. That's too one. spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I made the beat for that you one. You made yeah. the beat for that one. That was a fun song. All right, and Paul, how do I feel about your DJing skills? Pretty good. Really improved in college. I- I've never DJed. No, I-, I meant generally just playing music. <laughs> like what? Because in like... high school, it was one Cage the Elephant song, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I did have corny taste in music in high school. I was uh, in that last episode of uh, Podcast of Burn with Rachel. She mentions uh, how much she hates the national, how much she hates her voice. I texted her. I was like, oh, that yeah, was my you did favorite like national, band yeah. in high school. Um, I do not. Paul's taste wasn't. It wasn't corny as much as it was like you were one of those people who just didn't seem to like music until like college. I liked I liked things here and there. I just didn't have like a really big like I didn't like like a band and then find every band that was like them and like all their songs. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the National. I liked uh, Arctic Monkeys. Like things here and there like that. But you're right. I didn't have like a through line. I wasn't like a punk fan or a rock fan or anything like that. Like I just can liked- I tell you that. I don't think I've ever heard an Arctic Monkey an Arctic Monkey song unless like I heard it in the mall or something. Check them out; they're good. I couldn't identify their music. It sounds like a real Adam band. I think they're the type of band that went through a phase where everybody hated them and called them corny, and then it's like once that ended, people were like, "Oh, okay, we kind of like them again." Like once they stopped being like the corny band, to I prefer their uh, cool to like. I prefer their influence, the Guatemalan band El Mono Frio. <laughs> That was my best translation. That means the cold monkey. <laughs> uh, all right. We're in this question. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're in this question. What's our advice? I don't think you should be super critical Overly with critical. your friend because your friend yeah. is probably small time and a big part of small time artists is like, I mean, you know what? If they make it big, if they're they need some uh, leeway to explore, they need some leeway to explore what they're trying to do. Exactly. And they need to, they, they need support and constructive criticism if they're if they ever go diamond yeah for sure tell them be like that song fucking sucks you guys sold out you guys sold out but i mean at at a certain level really what people need is somebody to uh, it's kind of what those people who 
who left us reviews did. What people need is to be encouraged to keep <laughs> yeah. trying, not to be told to stop trying. Because keep trying yeah, is I think... how you get practice and improve. So surprisingly, I agree with Paul. Um, <laughs> it is one of those ones where like, I'm kind of, I could see someone whose like perspective is like, oh, all criticism is good. It's going to help them to improve. If they only have yes men around, then they're not going to become better. But also like, okay, 50% what you said. They need room to just explore and figure out what they're doing. And 50%, like, social relationships are hard. Make it easier on yourself. Lie if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> to, like, make social situations easier. Absolutely. Why would you need to be the person to tell them? Do do <laughs> what do what Paul does and just have your parents give you the worst criticism and let your friends be nice to you. <laughs> yeah, have your parents tell you why would you ever try to do anything other than, than be an engineer. Or a doctor. <laughs> yeah, like, unless you're actually musical and you have actual advice of, like, oh, you should... Mm-hmm. Oh, if you're definitely, your if you're not you a musical person your... at all, shut your fucking yap and do not. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that's good advice. You better be somebody who makes or also, like, if you're going to give advice like that, you better be somebody who makes or... I, I don't know, Paul, how do you feel about that whole thing of, like, if you don't make music, you can't critique music? No, like, I don't feel that, like that's true at all. I think with your friends, if you're if you're going to mm. critique them, you have In to the have... microcosm of that. You have to have advice on what to do. If your thing is... Yeah, I just, I don't know how you would change it, but there's, like, this weird sound. You know how sometimes you hear a weird sound in a song? Like, if that's your critique for her, like, shut up. But if your critique is, like, oh, like, turn down your levels on this thing when you're in the, like, when you're, like, working in poster. Don't don't compress your audio so much and, like, let it breathe a little bit more. Um, I remember that. Yeah, I remember once uh, one of my friends was trying to leave a mean online comment about the band of a girl who he liked uh the lead singer was her current boyfriend Mm. and so he was trying to find like a way to like criticize them and i had actually seen them live before he hadn't so he was like well what can i say about them and i was like honestly i don't know why the recorded vocals sound so bad he sounds a lot better in person i don't know what happened in like the mix that made it sound bad and so he wrote that and he he just took that i was like (laughs) all right but yeah i was like that's just my legitimate criticism is like live his vocals were really fun and for some reason it loses a lot of that in, in the recording um, yeah i'm trying to think of like things that people who don't like i don't know much about music so it's just like when i try to describe music to people like i could not imagine giving like harsh criticism like in the way i try to describe big artists i like like if i tried to do that to you like the problem with the open mics is like just like you guys are like sometimes your vocals are too crinkly like it, it would be nonsensical it's like philip rhymed artificial with my art official and uh, i don't like that <laughs> You know how like when somebody is rhyming and they do that thing where it's like one of the words is like really long and it's like it kind of like goes into like the next bar a little bit and it's like whatever that is it's like can Phil do more of that? Gonna make me buy bottles for Charlemagne. You gonna make me go out of my fucking way. I waited four days, nigga. Where y'all at? Which is a real thing I've said about other people's music, which I think is fine when I'm talking about Drake and how he does that a lot, but like. <laughs> But it would be obnoxious for me to say about, like, a smaller artist. Because it's like, what are they supposed to take from that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I do like it when Drake does that, when he, when he like, elongates a word into the next bar. I, I know what you're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you listen to that new uh, mixtape? No, he, Drake had put out a new mixtape. Yeah, three song. I'm very annoyed by the fact that he called one of them a lemon pepper freestyle. And it's like, are you just trying to be from every city? Are you just are you just taking like something that an Atlanta rapper should have done? Critique of that joke. Yeah, people always have like it's been a longstanding uh, thing that Drake is like hilariously claims every city. Definitely Houston every and Toronto 
is mm-hmm. the two he claims big and then he definitely also always talks about like new york atlanta the first international rapper mm. do you have any more comments I, I mostly i don't know i've mostly rambled no i think we hit everything on the head you know uh, it's like um you've talked about this where like people critiqued our podcast in the way that people critiqued joey's plays and his acting and friends um where sometimes just to make the friend group work, you just got to be like, that sure was a play. But you know what? That uh, the, the the lighting was really good. And just, you know, do that and move on and let people without too much negativity move forward and try to become better. Yeah, that was uh, that was Alex who gave me that uh, review of our podcast. Like, it's like it's it like, sure sounds like a podcast. It really sounds like a podcast, man. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> He's still Very after after listening to that episode of our podcast. He's like, I didn't mean it. it, it I was like, it's it just funny, man. He, he, he swears that he meant it in a good way. That our podcast just sounds like a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, you want to read the answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear constructively critical, writing and performing music is no easy task, which is why it's crucial to remain supportive of your friends as she f- finds her footing. When I first started performing, I used band names that would make it impossible to tell if the audience loved or hated me. After the breakup of You Suck, I formed Get Out of Ohio. Finally, <laughs> no encore. Luckily, That's we... actually a really funny joke. I like that. <laughs> Luckily, we killed every time, so those names were just precautionary. Creating music is done so from under an umbrella of poetic license, which makes it hard to label a band as definitively good or bad. That being said, it sounds like your friend's band sucks and the scene is already oversaturated with unnatural born musicians perhaps she'd consider a career that doesn't require an audience such as embalming or teaching zumba (laughs) is that a joke about like is it teaching zumba something that definitely has an audience is she like just making a joke about how not a lot of people go to zumba i think she's making a joke about how zumba i think she's making a joke about how zumba is so 2000 late (laughs) so 2000 and late what a what a weird target to attack (laughs) zumba Hey, this is the hard times. They don't choose the easy. They don't choose the low-hanging fruit. They go after the real people in power, like Zumba. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be like that's one step away from attacking jazz or size. Like, it's a big thing still. <laughs> a good friend will be honest with you, but a great friend will lie straight to your face and talk shit behind your back. Ooh, that's another that's good true. one. I talk massive shit about everybody behind Paul's back. Yeah. <laughs> When you give someone constructive criticism, you run the risk of them using it to better themselves, which brings them one step closer to surpassing you creatively. Is that what you want? Tip, make it a point to owe friends money so that they'll always have a reason to stay in contact with you. Okay, I can see how this is the um, advice column for the hard times. Yeah, it's like, I really don't know what the actual advice was, but it was kind of funny. Actually, I would put this up there with one of the more enjoyable, readable advice columns we've ever done, like... Uh, this is up there with Ola Poppy for just like pure entertainment value of reading through. It reminds me of a slightly better Ask Kitty or Ask Kitty Pride. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something. But... It kind of has that like internetness to it. Also, that internetness, and then also that like I grew up in the scene, scene <laughs> like in the early aughts or whatever, or like the early two thousand tens. No, I think that line is that line's a banger. A good friend will be with a good friend will be honest with you, but a great friend will be straight to your face and talk shit behind your back. <laughs> Big fact, no cap. Big fact, no cap. No, do you want to do big fact, no cap? Or? Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the things we do on this show. I forgot about that. Um, big fact, I'm rubber, you're glue. Anything you say bounces right off of me and hits you. 
And my no cap, a good friend will be honest with you, but a great friend will lie straight to your face and talk shit behind your back. An Adrian original. Bruh, that's tight. Where do you, that's, I'm going to be thinking, I'm going to like wake up, like I'm not going to be able to get that out of my mind. That's straight off the dome, bro. That's a little earworm for you. Bruh. Fuck. Eat your onion dip, Paul. Let's get out of (laughs) here. Bye. All right, bye, dude. Too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks. From on the road to cracking locks up off them bicycle racks. I'm indecisive, I'm scatterbrained, and I'm frightened. It's seven and then I'm eyes way hiding all the bicycles at. Something sinister to it. The pendulum swinging slower, degenerate moving through the city with criminal stealth. Welcome to enemy turf, harder than immigrants work. Golf is just in my shirt. Get up off the pavement, brush the dirt up off my psyche. Psyche, psyche.